0: On this AV Nation special, we preview the AVIT Summit. Used to be in person, uh, and this year they're going virtual. August 6th, we'll talk with Megan Della as well as a number of panelists. All that and more. Next on this AV Nation special
1: The Network for the AV Industry.
2: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This, this, is, this is, is AV
1: Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is an Aviation Nation special, previewing the AVIT Summit. This is an Aviation Nation special. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host on August 6th. Our friends over at SCN uh, are going to be hosting the AVIT Summit. What we're going to do today is we're going to preview said summit with a number of the panelists, but also uh, with my buddy and Palm, Miss Megan Dutta. Welcome, ma'am.
1: Hi, Tim, thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. To round out the discussion, I'm gonna highlight a couple of the sessions that they're doing. Uh, also with us is uh, Meg uh, Ciarini-Smith. Welcome, ma'am. How are you?
2: I forgot to you know,
0: push unmute up. yourself. Yes, she's a technologist. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Jeremy Caldera uh, from IAS just north of me and south of Megan, actually, oddly enough. So Caldera, how are you, sir?
3: I am excellent.
0: Excellent. Also, our buddy, Sean Reed from uh, north of the, uh, the um, Wisconsin Way. How are you, brother?
4: I'm good, as always. Thank you.
0: And uh, last but not least, I, I, somebody I got to meet for the first time, a uh, technology manager, uh, Rachel uh, Harris. Welcome, ma'am.
5: Thank you. Hi.
0: Hi. So, Meg, uh, uh, Megan, we're going to start with you on this. Uh, and, and like 99.9% of every event that happened, let's say, after the middle of March, uh, the AVIT summit was originally scheduled to happen in person. We were going to go to New York, we're going to have fun, you know, eat cheesecake and, and all that jazz, and now we're not, right? So you guys had to make the decision of uh, what does this look like, right? What does this look like moving from an in-person one to to a virtual one? So let's start with that real quick, and then we'll go over kind of a, an overview of what folks are going are going to experience that day.
1: Sure. So obviously it's not safe to have a gathering of 200 plus in New York right now. So we made the decision early late spring to move this to an online platform. And luckily the benefit is that we get to have more speakers from around the country join us. So we have people like Meg coming from California, Jeremy coming from Illinois, lots of fun people around and the online experience will be better than other events you may have seen or attended. We have a full exhibit hall, where people can go in, video chat with exhibitors. We'll obviously have the panel sessions in the auditorium and we have a networking lounge.
0: We'll talk about that for a second, because that's one of the things that were was really interesting is is that not only just a networking lounge for exhibitors and attendees, but attendees can also kind of get together and, and meet one another.
1: Yeah. It's a very simple chat platform and you can do just like instant messages and it, it is instantaneous. You don't have to refresh your browser to see if there's new messages. It's just like if you're on Say GChat, you'll get a ping saying you have a new message from this person or you could do a video call. All
0: right, very cool. Let's get an overview. So if I'm, I'm coming on board and I'm, I'm logging into the, the, the website, uh, what am I going to experience that day? What am I going to learn?
1: So that's a good question. There's lots. So obviously there's an exhibit hall and we have a ton of really cool sponsors. We have Kramer, Sure, Atlas IED, Sennheiser, lots of people that will be in the exhibit hall that you're going to want to see and then obviously my favorite part of the day is the content we're kicking things off with a keynote from Lori Bajoric who is the president of the National Esports Association and she'll be talking about esports and how you can motivate youth to learn in the classroom and beyond using the benefit of esports from there we'll go into different panels you'll see we have the first one is stop collaborate and listen and there we'll have end users and integrators and consultants talking about how can we all work together to create a better experience for everybody. Followed by that, we'll have some sponsors talking about how things are reopening and the future of technology and collaboration in a post-COVID world. There'll be the Modern AV UX, where Mark Coxon is gonna moderate that for us and we're gonna talk about the Modern AV User Experience in Corporate Environments, There'll be another manufacturer panel talking about what's next for the future of AV, what you're going to see in one, three, and five years. And they're not going to talk about their specific products. They're going to talk about actual just technology that's developing. And we'll end it with Tech That Connects, where we talk about the experience of technology. And for people that attend live that day, they can earn 5.5 of VIXA RUs.
0: Which is absolutely huge. You know, you get almost a sixth. Well, you do get a sixth of... Of what you need for the next three years. So, uh, let's let's kick it off with a couple with we'll take it now to, to a couple different uh, of the panels. The first one stop, collaborate, and listen. And for those of us that are in my age range, we automatically think of, of vanilla ice. So I appreciate that, Meg, Megan, um, so Mr. Caldera, and, and Ms. Harris. Let's talk about this for a second. So Jeremy's from the the integration side. Uh, Rachel is from the the end user side. Uh, somebody who actually experiences this and, and, and uses this technology on a daily basis. Jeremy, we'll, we'll ask you this first, you know, when it comes to moving, you know, kind of where we are currently right in this crisis, and, and we're collaborating differently, and we're connecting differently. And, and all of us are using some sort of video conferencing platform. When you're talking to your clients about what they're going to next or what they think they need to go to next, what are they telling you? And, and how are you able to kind of help them move along to the next stage of this?
3: I think there's a lot of trying to figure that out, right? Even not just on our end, but it's also on on the end users' end, right? That they, they still don't know. Um, you know, I've got a lot of end users that are still not going to be back in their offices for another three months. You know, which is you know to me kind of crazy, but um, they're they're doing it even even here in Central Illinois, right? So. Um, what I'm seeing a lot of right now, uh, on the end user side, both corporate and higher education is, uh, the social distancing thing, right? Whether or not that's going to be the new norm, right? So what we're doing is we're not, we're, we're building classrooms that are going to have more space that are much larger, that are going to be spreading people out. They're going to have collaboration workstations. Um, you know, the, the huddle room, if you will, in the corporate environment, we're not seeing that as much of now as we're seeing larger conference spaces, uh, Picking back up where a couple of years ago the huddle, the huddle rooms were the thing. That was the buzzword. That was the style of room everybody was doing. Now it's going back to hey, let's get a larger conference space. We can spread everybody out. Let's make sure all the technology is upgraded there. Um, I, I think that's a, a lot what we're seeing. The video conferencing thing that, like I said, that's that's been the norm for a couple of years. Software based video conferencing, even hardware based video conferencing, still still there, right? Um, so I, I don't think there's much change there other than it's becoming more prevalent in the work from home environment, right? So how are we taking the people who aren't comfortable coming back into the office to get them to collaborate with the people who are comfortable coming back into the office and making sure that that's a seamless integration?
0: Yeah. Rachel, you are in the, in the, in the office and trying to help folks get, get, back, get back into that. How are you able to kind of figure out whether it's in your office or, you know, your colleagues and and cohorts and, and other businesses, how are they able to, you know, kind of forecast and go, okay, this is what it looks like for us to welcome our employees back safely?
5: Well, I think that, of course, the main concern everyone's trying to figure out is not only how do we do it, but when, you know, the The deadline for making the decision about whether or not people are coming back and how do we invest to move forward in whatever the situation is going to be is still very unclear for leadership at a lot of places, at just all kinds of different places, schools. I think that obviously large enterprise businesses are much better about just making those decisions and picking something to stick with and invest in. But a lot of the smaller clients that I work with have not even figured out whether or not they're going back to class in September, and we're only six weeks away from that right now. So what I'm trying to do as a manager of these spaces is advise them that they have to make some call and find out where is the happy medium, what can we design that will let us do a lot of both.
0: Is it something, Rachel, where, where you guys are also taking the, uh, the huddle spaces, the existing spaces that Jeremy mentioned that were all the rage three or four years ago, right? And these are spaces that were typically smaller, right, from a square footage standpoint, that invited two or three people to get together closely and collaborate closely. And now we're saying this is the exact opposite. So what are we doing with those spaces now that, you know what, it, it's not something that from a business standpoint we even want you to do.
5: Yeah, I mean, those those spaces are going to turn more private. And I think that in big office buildings um, and for companies that are well connected, they're, they're not going to want people to come back to the office. And if you do come to the office, you need to be expecting to be working alone and working with the technology tools that you have to connect with people. But connecting with people, whether it's in conference room for eight or 10 or three, um, is really not going to be advised for, I think, a long time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, as we wrap up this this panel part, one of the things that, that we're going to talk about, you guys are going to talk about, is how both integrators and manufacturers and th- their customers can come out of this successfully, right? What does success look like from an AV standpoint a year from now, hopefully, that we're out of, out of COVID?
3: Um. I I don't know if I honestly know how to answer that question. (laughs) Um, You know, for me, every solution that we do, you know, as cheesy as it's going to sound, success for for us in general is just making the the customer happy and, you know, doing it, you know, with integrity and making sure that, that just everything comes out, you know, above and beyond what the expectations that were set were. Right. So whatever that is for us as as an integrator and hopefully for most integration companies, I mean, that's what we're just going to continue to see. And we're going to have to adapt, adapt accordingly. And I'll be honest with you. I, you know, a year ago, if you would ask me what, what's the AV landscape look like 12, 18 months down the road, I, I would have, sat here and said, this is what's going to happen, right? Now, I don't think that any of us can can say that with any kind of accuracy, right? So uh, for us, success is going to be, um, you know, just, just adapting to the new technologies that are here, that are going to be coming down the pipeline, that are going to be forced to be invented because of all the stuff that's happening, uh, and then just successfully implementing them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, one of the other um, uh, sessions is the modern uh, UX design, user interface design. Mr. Sean Reed, uh, Astro Man himself, is going to be talking on that panel. Sean, when you're looking at and in, in talking with clients, Sean has a lot of an integrator uh, clients as well as, as end users, so he's kind of positioned to kind of both sides of this. What are they, what are they telling you? What are, what, is, what are you looking at when it comes to the next iteration of what folks are going to be interfacing with when it comes to AV?
4: Well, there are some new technologies. You're seeing a lot of these touchless kiosks, um, a lot of voice activation, voice recognition technology starting to come down the pipe, and people are asking about it. They're also asking how secure is the technology, Because assuming it's going on their network. They're also asking how reliable is it. That's a big thing. You know, when new technology comes out, usually we have some time to play with it. Two people get to deploy it, see if it works, on a new version. Things are moving much more quickly now. There's not as much time to figure out new things. So there's that. There's also... Uh, Seamlessness. There's a lot of online um, learning going on and telemedicine. I was just discussing with a client the other day about how to make that more seamless on the back end for the teachers who are now transitioning to teaching online full-time and for the students, new and old, who are coming in saying, now I'm going to be learning online full-time. And if you go on any of the major universities' websites right now and try and find your class and your teacher, you can spend 20 minutes just digging through names and everything. So talking about how to make that overall user experience where it's easier to find where your class is, log into it, where you're using, you're trying to streamline a lot of that, because now you have thousands of people, different laptops, different connection speeds, different cameras, all trying to work together. And there's going to be some problems. so talking about how to make that as smooth and as easy a transition, because frankly, now online learning is also going to be part of your product as a school, not just "I'm going to Harvard or Howard or wherever, but now I'm going to be selling a product of online learning and how well that product is delivered, how good that online experience is. Also from the staff perspective, how easy it is to teach and manage your students. is going to be a big deal for a lot of people. And so those questions are coming up.
0: So um, I'm, a, I'm a recovering um, um, control programmer. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't do it anymore, but I, I did for a certain amount of time uh, have to get in, in, the, in those areas. When we did design a system, right, one of the first things that we did was we, we had sign off on the user interface, right, and pretty pictures and PNG files and all this stuff. How do you design a control system when there's no buttons to press? How do you design a system based on touchless or voice?
4: That is a great question. So I have yet to have a chance to actually play, unfortunately, with any of these new kiosks. I have only seen one, and I was afraid to touch it personally, because I wanted well, to actually touchless. Touch, touch it. <laughs> well, I, well I'm, I'm an AV guy. I, I wanted to get in and unplug the back of it and see, you know, see what was inside and feel like you can't touch it. I'm like, well, forget it then. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious. I've been trying to reach out to the people. I know some people have some orders in, so I'm waiting to hear from some peers of mine on their first experiences on delivery, integration, how they're working. So when I have some information, I would be glad to share it. But right now, I have no firsthand experience with any of these touchless kiosks other than the one I saw that I tried to lunge at and, you know, take apart and the security guard was like, no, no, no. Um, (laughs) But when it comes to to user interface, for sure, in UX, that's a big deal. So that discussion is becoming more complex. So you have two issues to it. There's usage and there's branding. If I'm a company or a school, I have a set branding. And maybe my branding is not very conducive to now my new need for user interface. It's a little clunky. Those colors may not work. That logo might be too big. There's a lot of little things are happening. And so there's a lot of, what I'm discovering is I'm reaching out to some of my graphic designer friends saying, hey, look at this. How can this look better? Because if it doesn't look well, flow well, then it's harder than design the next part of it. So I think we're all gonna have to stretch our creative hats a little bit because we're gonna have to start thinking outside the box. I know I already am. We're gonna have to start thinking how we can use some of our artistic skills. We're all probably, you know, good at something, whether it's origami or finger painting. I'm sure some of us passed that in third grade. And, you know, try and get into how we can be more. It's, it's bad enough in AV you have to be a million things to a million people. Now we have to be a million and one things to two million people. So, you know, it's just par for the course. But yeah, th- there's a creative aspect that's going on where you're trying to help people look at what they already have. Because if I am now having to pay new teachers or new staff or deploy new equipment to remote workers. I mean, I have the budget to redo my whole website or buy 50 new kiosks. I was at a place, come to get, uh, there was a touchless kiosk at a um, facility I was at, in, where was it, Minneapolis, Milwaukee the other day. And it didn't work. It was on, but it didn't work. So that was my second experience that didn't work. And it was when I had seen in an ad that someone was saying, hey, you check this one out. So uh, my other experience was not good. I think that there's going to be a lot of deployment of untested technology, and that scares me not as much as untested COVID tests or the other things are going. But this is in a medical facility, and this was like for appointments and it's supposed to dispense um, hand sanitizer and you're supposed to be able to talk to it to find out where you're going. It barely dispensed the hand sanitizer. There was handprints all over it. <laughs> the screen wasn't on, so I was not impressed. So. Until I get the chance to deploy one myself or speak to someone who's really set one up and had it work, I think we're going to have to all cross our fingers and knock a little bit on the wood and say, I can sell you this platform and I can help service it. And I'll probably be servicing it more than you'd like, but that's the best I can offer right now as we try to transition to what's next. And a lot of us don't know what, what is next.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, Meg just Smith is on the panel of tech that connects, looking at how AV can, tech, can, can connect all of us uh, and using different uh, techniques and technologies to give us all a unique experience. Meg, um, you were kind of chuckling at, at poor Sean and his experience. Talk for a second, right, about how these evolving technologies uh, they have hurdles, right? And they don't always work 100 percent as soon as you deploy them. But how are, are we able to use these cutting edge technologies to connect all of us in an era when we're not supposed to be connected or at least, you know, close?
2: Yeah, uh, actually, Sean's, uh, Sean kind of hit on um, a big uh, passion point for me where um, when you're in the unknown and you're deploying something because you have to, and we often, way too often in AV find ourselves in that position. Um, And it does not work smoothly. Um, I think especially in this digital age um, of uh, collaboration and everything that we have, you know, everybody's been doing digital for a while, but nobody's really given it um, the TLC it needs to make it a great experience. Like, you know, uh, just like the hand sanitizer, like there's handprints all over it. Like, if you need your UI explained, then you need to go back to the drawing board, right? Um, So it, uh, I think, uh, actually, I just really enjoyed everything Sean said because this is, it's the best of times and worst of times. We're gonna have to get incredibly creative, um, which is terrifying and awesome at the same time. Like, I'm not happy we're in COVID or saying anything like that, but being forced into this bottleneck And being forced into these corners um, will either prove people's major undoing um, because they can't let go of the I need to touch it. Um, It needs to be physical. It needs to be tangible. Um, Or you'll see um, platforms really rise above and you'll see people kind of reengaging and figuring it out along the way. Um, Which to me, when you're at least saying, this is what I can give you right now. Can we work together? Can we partner together to see what we can evolve this into? Right. Um, you know, so I think that's where the experience part really comes into play. Um, because A V has long often been the industry of um it's good enough. And now um I think a lot of people are realizing that, you know, low bandwidth, really slow communication is no longer good enough it's nowhere near good enough. I need real time. I need fat, you know, I needed fiber, you know, eight years ago for what I need to do today. Um, So I think it's a wake up call at the same time that, uh, you know, if we have to be physically distanced from one another working, the work doesn't stop. The world keeps turning and we still need to do things. And, um, you know, whether that's events, schools, medical, um, any any industry like the verticals d- keep going it's if we can creatively work around and keep that goal of the experience being the best it can be while partnering with our you know with our verticals to start figuring out what the newness looks like and what does it mean to be physically distanced. you know as jeremy said earlier it's it's going to be tough like nobody really knows the answers right now which is great because there's no basis of comparison so we don't have to kick our own butts beating ourselves up like oh my god we did terrible it's like well did we though we we tried something we tried something new and we were brave enough to try to not suck at it did we suck a little yeah but we learned and i think that's something where if we collectively come together on anything at all that's where i think covid has at least done its part to bring people together and say we got to do the best we can right now. We, you know, remanage expectations, rethink the experience altogether.
0: Is it also something where, you know, that, that uh, grace period is going to be kind of extended because yeah, you, you might try something and it might fail necessarily in your guys' eyes, but you learn from it. What's the turnaround time between learning something and then putting in a new, uh, a new version of that?
2: Yeah. um, So I think uh, for at least for what we're doing lately, it's, you know, um, the pace doesn't stop. Right. Um, like I don't think, uh, in terms of workload, anything has really stopped. It's, you know, the, um, the catchphrase right now, pivoting. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily believe that a lot is going on a grace period. I think, you know, I, I haven't witnessed it, but, um, in terms of saying it's like here's the best thing that we can think of right now and we need to try it. And here's, you know, when you outline the pros and cons uh, and you let your business partners part be part of that journey and that decision-making then, you know, I don't really see that as a failure. I think they, you know, everybody's looking at a building block right now. You know, it's not, Hey, you need to turn this around and we need this results and this is the ROI and we expect to meet it. It's a lot more of like, we need to try this and from there we'll build because literally nobody knows how to move forward right now um so we're in this together and uh you know if anything i've seen a lot more companies come you know to the table and say like we understand timeline is you know a a non-existent thing right now we ideally need to get it done by this point so we need to have something was it what we proposed six months ago no because we were in a pre-pandemic era Um, so for for me i think it's a lot more about like let's you know i'm seeing a lot more partnership with people and companies to say what can we get and by when and let's iterate and continue iterating and put an action plan together i think that's the inner control programming that it's like okay well we we don't know how we're gonna get there but we're gonna get there
0: Absolutely. Uh, Megan, as we wrap up here, and I'm going to get uh, kind of uh, everybody's vision of of what the next six months to a year looks like. But in addition to these fine panelists and the other ones that are going to be joining us, you guys are also doing uh, a trivia night.
1: Yeah. So we, Avixa is one of our partners and we're going to do a trivia night the night before the summit. You know, if we were in person, we'd all get together and have some dinner and drinks. And since we can't do that, we want to have a little virtual fun All of the proceeds are going to benefit the Avixa Foundation, and you can find more information on that at avitsummit.com. All right,
0: very good. Uh, Each of you, and kind of in turn, um, Rachel, we'll start with you on this. What does this look like? What does the, the industry look like? Not six months from now, because there's a good chance that since all of us are, are in the U.S., there's a good chance none of us are getting out of this country in the next six months. Uh, depends on what the Europeans do and all that jazz. I
3: know some people that won't like to hear you say that, Tim.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it is what it is. I, it's not a political statement that the Europeans have said that we can't, we can't get in. So, um, But what, is it, what does the industry look like, let's say, a year from now or, a year, or two years from now?
5: Oh, I mean, I don't know, but I hope that it looks like a place where innovation is really bringing a lot of people back to work. And I hope that that the creativity that we're talking about and that we know we are working on and need to expand is going to expand the industry. I think that at the end of the day, we're in an AV opportunity. And although getting to the reward is going to be quite an experience, I, I really do think we're going to get there. And it's going to be very exciting 18 months from now. All
0: right. Mr. Caldera, uh, where, where, where are we going to end up here? What does it look like in two years?
3: Uh, I, I, You know, everybody says that we're going to have to adapt to the normal, new normal. I think it's going to get somewhat back to normal, to what we know as what normal was pre-COVID, right? I think there's going to be... You know, just a, uh, an enhanced self-awareness that people are going to have, right? Uh, how that's going to reflect in the workplace, I mean, ultimately we'll see. But, uh, you know, my hope is that we're going to get somewhere back to where we were.
0: All right. Sean, we, we've talked about, you know, huddle spaces with a big thing, you know, two, three years ago, five years ago. What does this look like for us in, in 18 months to two years, both from a, a societal standpoint, but also a technology standpoint?
4: I think we'll see some really cool technology, some really bad technology come down the pipe. It's always going to be a little bit of both. As far as huddle rooms, huddle rooms will be gone for the foreseeable future. What happens that technology is anyone's guess. I'm encouraging a lot of people to try and repurpose it. If you can reuse it in a larger space, if you can spread out, or if you can lease that space, if you own your building or have a lease and sublease it let another company that needs an office space where one person can work, let them use it so they can work remotely. There's a lot of ways you can try and get back your ROI on some of the equipment, but it's really a case-by-case basis. I don't think the industry is going to bounce back and be the same. I think we're going to see a big paradigm shift from hard codecs to soft codecs. I think you're going to see equipment get cheaper as companies need to deploy equipment to large workforces spread out. So we might see a quality drop for a little while, some things. I'm not going to say any names. <clears throat> but uh, you know, there'll be some people out there haw- hawking some, <laughs> some things. Um, there There's always going to be one snake oil salesman or three in the, in the industry. So we'll see. But I think, I think it's going to take a couple of years for it to sort itself out until we see where business lands. I mean, here in the Midwest, things are happening, but it's all large bids. Uh, California is shut down. I got people in New York who are closing up and others are doing great. DC is doing fine because federal government likes spending tax dollars and that's fine. It really depends where you are. If you're in a state that's hard hit, work's getting harder. If you're in a place where there's some money being spent, especially government education, you might be able to find it, but bids are getting nasty. And it's a different field. You're going to see a lot of shifting, you know, a lot of these big mergers. I don't know how they're going to sustain companies that, you know, just quite another large company and have, huge work roles and large amounts of debt. How are they going to maintain that when there's not enough work to go around? That will be interesting to see the, and how that affects smaller firms, consulting firms, independent contractors, the smaller AV companies it'll be really interesting to see just how it goes out. I don't think anyone has a crystal ball and predict what's going to happen. I think we all need to be strapped in for quite the ride and hope that we still have roofs over our head and food in our bellies at the end of it. Absolutely.
0: All right, Meg, uh, last question here for you is, what does this look like as we, yes, we we come out of this in in a year and a half, two years, um, and we get back to the public spaces. What do those look like? Uh, And and what is the technology that we're going to utilize to stay safe, but also uh, experience this?
2: Um, first off, I want to say Sean is everything you said was awesome. Um, and I, I very much agree that we're going to, if we haven't already seen a very big push towards getting away from things like non-proprietary hardware, uh, I think we're going to move towards it. Um, I think with the inability to really safely manufacture hard products that we can touch um it's and to not be in spaces all the time like where now touching things and breathing on things is really going to be kind of part of the everyday office you know journey it's um it's going to move to where i'm excited to see innovation is more in like gesture control right like how do you you know where are you going to see um you know, uh, privacy matters and security hand in hand with the audiovisual experience or just your general, um, you know, IT experience, right? And how do those three things coalesce to create, you know, a community that you can actually be physically in without risking your health or um, risking someone else's health. Um, in two years, I really would, lo- what I would love to see is the continued partnership of working with people to figure something out. Um, I think AV is also a very uh, interesting industry because um, it's someone's always right, and the way that person did it was always wrong. Um, and uh, while I, you know, I'm I'm guilty, um, I do think that as we move together as an AV and IT community. The more partnership, the more we can learn from one another, um, and the more that we can bring together to really hone in on that experience aspect of what does the person need. Um, I think that's going to be what I hope to see in two years. You know, more of the focus on um, you know when we're in a room, it's not about the you know the company or the bid or the kickback or whatever. It is about the experience. And and I think, you know, uh, to double back on Jeremy's comment about doing something with integrity. Um, I think that's where I'd like to see everybody shifting where it's, you know, um, doing it, doing it right, doing it good and doing it for, you know, the, the end user at the end of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. That'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Megan Dutta, thanks for the idea. And thanks for doing this. August 6th, you can go uh, check out and hang out with her and her friends over at SCN. And uh, in future, you can go by their website, avitsummit.com. Uh, but Megan, if they want to find out more about you, about SCN, or about future, where do they find you?
1: You can find SCN Magazine on avnetwork.com and on Twitter at SCN Mag. And you can find me on Twitter at Megan A. Dada and Summit registration is free. It's for end users, it's for integrators, it's for consultants, uh, content creators, it's for everyone. So we hope to see you there.
0: All right, very good. Mr. Caldera, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or IAS?
1: Uh,
3: Iastechnology.net or uh, at Jeremy underscore Caldera on the Twitter.
0: All right, very good. Rachel, very nice to meet you. Uh, thanks so much for, for your insights. Uh, if somebody would like to get a hold of you, how would they do that?
5: They can call me at rharrispro
0: on Twitter. Okay. Well, they can tweet me. Tweet, tweet that you. Yeah. I got you. I'm, I'm old, so yeah, I got the call thing. Uh, Mr. Astro Man, thank you, sir.
4: No problem. Always glad to be a part. Everyone knows where to find me. Astroman.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're hidden somewhere on Pinterest, mostly with cyberpunk and uh, steampunk um, pins to random things. that have nothing to do with the business, just cool, weird objects. For anyone who's interested, speaking of cool, weird objects, since it is a bunch of nerds, shameless plug, there is a reissue of the Transformers Constructicon, the decimator, all the construction ones, that someone started building. It was out, 78 bucks on Amazon. They've got a few back in stock. Grab yours, grab mine. Every office needs one.
2: Um, That's the most engaging argument I've ever heard to join Pinterest or Instagram.
4: (laughs) It's the only argument I've ever
0: heard to join Pinterest, but that's, you know. <laughs> hey. Meg.
2: Like I may do that now.
0: Meg, how do people get a hold of you?
2: Uh you can uh Twitter at me on the Twitters um at Makina Meg
0: all right very good uh for us for avianation go by our website avianation.tv that's avianation.tv you'll find programs like this and a host of others uh everybody here with the exception of rachel and now i'm gonna bug her to be on one of my shows but everybody else here has been on on at least you know half a dozen of our shows so you can check those out as well and we'll be hanging out uh in the audience uh, august 6th for the summit. so check all that out and more at avianation.tv